0: Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 9 of The Comet Cast. I'm your host Ryan from Comic Comics and today I'm joined by Christopher Digital who will be discussing some of his thoughts on some topics today while we talk everything comics, TV shows, movies, etc. So, on a side note, how does it feel to have your first name dropped officially in one of my
1: podcasts? it's kind of weird actually i've been on here how many shows now i think probably like four or five episodes yeah i was actually starting to believe that my first name was (laughs) mister
0: well i mean i'm glad to have you on again man today we're going to be talking comic movies and tv shows announced at san diego comic-con with that said sit back and relax and enjoy the comic cast before we jump into this podcast i want to do a quick spoiler alert on some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. So, the main topic of today's discussion is going to be the San Diego Comic-Con announcements. That includes Marvel's MCU Phase 4 on movies such as Black Widow, The Eternals, The Falcon and Winter Soldier series, The Shang-Chi movie, The WandaVision TV series, The Loki TV series, The Doctor Strange 2 movie, The What If series, The Hawkeye series, and The Thor Love and Thunder movie. Then we're going to be jumping into the Arrowverse crossover, which can... Pretty much we'll be talking about anything from Legends to Arrow to even Supergirl and the new Batwoman TV show that's coming on. And then we're going to do some trailers that were revealed at San Diego Comic-Con, as well as jumping into our weekly shout-out to a patron on Instagram. So with that said, let's jump right into this episode, episode 9 of The Comet Cast. So let's jump right into this. First thing we're going to be talking about is Marvel MCU's Phase 4. And some of the movies that they announced at San Diego Comic Con. So the first one that I really want to get into that they announced at the San Diego Comic Con was the Black Widow movie. We had heard about this for quite some time that it was going to be happening, and I was super excited because we get to. Well, we found out that Taskmaster is going to be the main villain, and he kind of got a new look from the. Uh, it looked like it was kind of adapted from the uh, the version of him in the Spider Man video game which was really cool so it's an odd mix of him from the comics and him from the video game so that'll be interesting to see what are your thoughts on the new black widow movie coming considering that we saw natasha parish at the end of endgame
1: yeah i believe i was hearing something about them talking about it. it's definitely going to help set up the phase four universe so that really makes me excited and then for next up with it taskmaster being in on this is going to be incredible and i seen, actually, the where they dropped a picture of him just recently. I, it might have been a day when i seen the picture, but he looks great. I'm, I'm ready, actually. Yeah, he looks
0: really cool. It was a really cool picture that they did where it looked like Black Widow was going to punch uh, Taskmaster, and he had, like, the iconic shield and all that other good jazz. So it'll be super interesting to see. I know the big thing about the Black Widow movie is that it's going to take place at a different point in her timeline before she perishes in Endgame. So it would be really interesting to see this version of Black Widow and if she could possibly pop up anywhere else. I'm curious, though, if they are going to set up Taskmaster as a villain for further movies in the MCU or if he's just going to be a one-off. What are your thoughts on him being a more prominent character in the MCU, kind of like, I guess... Like Loki, you know, like villains like that that
1: you kind of see that are recurring. What are your thoughts on him being a recurring villain? It just really depends, I think, on his popularity. If he's a fun character and they enjoy, everyone enjoys him, even if they take a serious take with him, obviously, because of who he is, as long as they do him right, I think he can be a great adaptation for future installments. However, with how a lot of their movies have been in the past, I do just kind of see him being a one-off character for now and maybe bring back later on. Okay.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm actually going to be cosplaying at, I believe, Dragon Con and the Fayetteville Con coming up, one in Georgia, one in North Carolina, and I'm going to be going as Taskmaster. So I'm super excited to see this character come into the MCU, even if he's just a one-off character. Who knows? But moving on, the next movie that they announced that we've heard a lot about was the Eternal movie which or the Eternals movie which is going to be really cool because we already know Angelina Jolie is going to be in it. We got Salma Hayek, we've got all these other cool cast members and I'm just super excited to see this because I believe with the way they're going they're going to set up the Infinity Stones. That kind of the beginning of the Infinity Stones. We could see the beginning of these stones in the Eternals movie because not only are we going to be this or not only are we going to see the Deviants go at it. We're actually going to see the birth of the Infinity Stones. We're going to get to see the Celestials and how the Deviants and the Eternals destroy the Celestials. A good example of this would be, thinking back to the original Guardians of the Galaxy movie where we see the head of a Celestial that's nowhere. I mean, it's literally the place nowhere where people set up inside this giant being. We're going to get to see those characters in their prime before they were killed off in whatever way and whatever manner they were killed off in. I'm super excited about that because in the comics they actually reference the reason why mutants and superheroes have powers on Earth is because they believe that a celestial died on Earth and its blood seeped into the genetic code that created human beings. So it'll be super interesting to see that considering, for those of you who do not know, uh the Eternals and the Deviants they are like the first humanoid superheroes of sorts and of course we obviously if we have superheroes we got to have supervillains so the, their war is born and we're going to get to see that play out on the big screen with Angelina Jolie, Sal Hayek, all these great actors that are taking the lead and not considering the or and considering the fact that we have our first lead Male actor who's going to be gay, too, that's also going to be really cool. I know a lot of people, I don't want to get too political with it. A lot of people aren't happy about that, but then there are a lot of people that are happy about that. And I'm kind of on the side of, oh, that's really awesome, you know, uh, not pushing gender or anything like that or gender politics or whatever you want to talk about. But it'll be super interesting to see how one of these, you know, Eternals is going to be, you know, like the leading character who's also going to be gay. Like, how's that going to work? Where are they going to go with that? What are they going to do with the Eternals? How are we going to see this war play out? What are your thoughts on seeing the Eternals on the big screen with what we got going on and the setup of the Infinity Stones and all these different directions that it could take?
1: Well, I definitely smell origin story. Right? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I don't actually know a whole lot about the Eternals other than what you've mentioned. So... I'm really excited to see where it goes, especially, like, the creation of the Infinity Stones, what it took to actually make those, and something that can destroy pretty much the universe with the snap of a finger. Right. So, that's going to be crazy, and I'm one of those people who always believes adding the minority group to a movie, especially today's time, is a very good stance. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's been a lot better, especially, like, where they done it with the Power Ranger movie, adding an autistic character to be a ranger, yeah. and then the first gay superhero in yeah. it. So that was cool.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting, the direction that they take with that. I know a lot of people get upset with that. And I'm like, come on, it's a movie. Just enjoy it. Like who cares if the person's gay, like it is a superhero movie. It's going to be just as awesome. A gay person can be just as awesome. A lesbian person could be just as awesome. An autistic boy can be just as awesome as a superhero. He
1: was the coolest part of that movie. I don't even care.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, for all of you out there that have a problem with it, you know, get over it. It's, it's a casting choice. And Marvel has always done great with their casting choices. So just kind of trust the direction that they're gonna be going in. It's not this political agenda that everybody's trying to push. It's telling a superhero origin story and that's what we're gonna get to see with the Eternals. I mean, just getting to see a Celestial in general is going to be freaking insane. I've wanted to see the Celestial since we saw that big ass head in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, these beings are huge. They have so much power i mean you know the power that it takes to create the cosmos and all this other stuff it's it's just gonna be really cool and considering the fact that the main marvel timeline now doesn't have said infinity stones to protect it from evil you know we might even get to see a divergence of you know some of these main villains that were fought off in the beginnings of these wars come back i mean some great evils that could have been fought back billions of years ago kind of re-emerging and. That's where a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, Galactus. You know, the X-Men. That's a great tie-in. And I'm super excited to see how that's going to play out. Another one that they dropped... Which we've known a lot about was the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Not only that, but we had the WandaVision they talked about and the Loki series. And then they introduced a couple other series. I believe the What If was also a series. We got the new Hawkeye series as well. And with those, what's really cool is I was reading up on the Falcon and Winter Soldier before we kind of, before Reed came in here. And from what Kevin Feige was talking about, not a lot of people in the setup for the Falcon and Winter Soldier are going to be happy that there's a new Captain America. So that's going to be a really interesting plot point to pull on, considering, you know, there's only one Steve Rogers and now he's passed the torch off to somebody else. And not a lot of people are going to be happy with that in the series. Not only that, but outside of the series in general, they were talking about how they got the first draft of the script done recently and how it was a complete train wreck. That was a little topic I wanted to touch on just because it was so interesting And the fact that, I mean, when you look at any kind of film or anything like that, the first draft is always going to be rough. And a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier series is going to suck. Its first draft was crap. And I'm like, I mean, just look at all the, I'm sure the first draft of Avengers Endgame wasn't as good as it was when they got to the final draft. So, like, trust in the writers here at Marvel Studios because they're going to deliver something awesome. I mean, the conflict, I would love to see a conflict between, like, the Falcon and Winter Soldier over the mantle of Captain America. That is something that I would love to see because they surpassed Winter Soldier and went straight for the Falcon for the next Captain America. And we should see that. I know there's a lot of villains that are supposed to be coming back in the series and the series is going to be setting up a bunch of other stuff. So it'll be really cool to see how they take that approach and where they go with it. But what are your thoughts on the Falcon and Winter Soldier series that they're going to be releasing on Disney Plus?
1: It's going to be great. It's going to be great, yeah. Sorry for the Batman voice. <laughs> no, no, uh... I'm really looking forward to it overall because, like you said, it is going to be one of those things where it definitely sets up for the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. So, obviously, whatever comes from that is going to set up for future films, and I'm ready. I'm excited to see it. I can definitely see the political point of where people are going to be upset with the new Captain America. Yeah. And just seeing that mantle being took over by the Falcon and with Bucky Going at him, and at the, right. that's going to be an interesting, interesting pissing content. Right. <laughs> and then
0: we got like the other series that they were announced, which was WandaVision, which obviously has, you know, Scarlet Witch and Vision in it, which is going to be cool because at the San Diego Comic Con, I believe it was Paul Bettany was like, Yeah, I died in Avengers Endgame. This is the most confused that I've ever been. I've got a Disney Plus series. So it'll be really cool to see that too, considering. That is supposed to set up Doctor Strange 2, considering Scarlet Witch is supposed to be a co-lead in that movie. She's going to make an appearance, and it's going to be a super important appearance in the Doctor Strange sequel. You know, the Multiverse of Madness, which is going to also be a horror film. So that'll be really interesting to see how that WandaVision series sets up. Same with Loki. I know they talked about that this Loki series is going to be based off of Tom Hiddleston's Loki taking the Tesseract back in 2012 and creating a branch timeline. And a lot of people have speculated that in this series we could possibly see Loki trying to get back to the main Marvel timeline, considering he's now dead in the main Marvel timeline. Thanos snapped his neck. Boom. I mean, he's dead for real. So seeing that will be really interesting. What are your thoughts on the WandaVision show and the Loki
1: show that they got coming up? Yeah, with the uh, WandaVision show, I am honestly just as confused about it as the actor is right. himself. Because, in all fairness, I never actually watched uh, Age of Ultron, so I don't know how they got introduced, I know, but I know they played a pretty big part in yeah. Infinity War and her definitely in end Endgame at the end there.
0: Yeah, it was definitely interesting. She actually had a brother in Ultron. Oh, yeah, Quicksilver. That, yeah, they yeah. ended up dying, and yeah, they were technically the villains at the beginning of the movie right. before they figured out... What actually was going on, and Ultron created Vision's body to be his right, android right. body. So it was a really interesting way that they introduced those characters. Okay. Even though you know we see Quicksil or even though we see Quicksilver, <laughs> even though we see Quicksilver use his body as a shield towards the end of the movie, saving Hawkeye. You know, it was, it was interesting. I mean, what are your thoughts on Loki and where the show's gonna be going from there? Like, would you like to see him try to get back? into the main Marvel timeline?
1: That would be one of the most interesting concepts, seeing him come back to Thor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the, in the standard timeline, right. just because he would not be the same Loki, unless, of course, if something like, happened during his time in the series to make him want to be the one that he was that we've seen at the yeah. end of Ragnarok. The
0: guy who's had all that development.
1: Yeah, yeah so it's going to be weird because... The guy that we kind of fell in love with so much and near the end of his arc is coming back as the one that was the jackass but fun one.
0: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that series. I like Tom Hiddleston as an actor and seeing where he's going to go with this more evil version of Loki. I mean, he could obviously go down the rabbit hole and be this completely different character because of his branch timeline. And I mean, in this timeline, he could take over the whole MCU. I mean, he could totally dominate the Avengers in his own branch timeline. I mean, who knows what could happen in that series. What if. Exactly. <laughs> With that, we can actually jump into the the What If series that they had announced. I believe it is a series. It's a TV yeah, series. Yeah, it's going to be a
1: series on so, Disney+.
0: Plus. That'll be interesting, too, because a lot of people are wanting to see, like, the Marvel zombies What If, like... What if that happens? Why not? I
1: mean, we got Walking Dead, and this is just like a 20 times better version of <laughs> right. that. What are some other
0: what-if topics that you would love to see in this what-if series?
1: What if some of the villains were a little bit better? <laughs> uh, no, honestly, there's so much they could do with the what-if possibilities, especially with the idea of multi-universes, multiple timelines now. it I don't even know where to start, <laughs> right. honestly. It's kind of... What if they actually brought in the Marvel TV shows into the actual MCU, like Daredevil, Punisher? Right. Oh, that would be great.
0: What if Thanos doesn't have a butthole and Ant-Man can't go up his butt? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or what if Ant-Man went up Thanos' butt? Oh, you know, there's so many topics Or what that if we Thanos went up Ant-Man's butt? I mean, they did a video about that. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of topics. I'm super excited for that. That was one that I was not expecting because it would be like Marvel doing an Infinity Warps type thing, something that has always been kind of the sideline of their comics. It's like the what-ifs. And I mean, they do what-ifs all the time. And it's crazy to think
1: like, they could do something like that in actual cinema mode, live action, and obviously it probably won't be canon to the story, but yeah. it's still a cool idea, and from where the creators and writers have already done with the entire MCU I would love to see what they would do with their open imagination. Right.
0: And with that, we also have the the Hawkeye series that they announced, which is going to be interesting considering the fact that I really don't know what they would do a Hawkeye series about other than him training, what, Kate Bishop to be the next Hawkeye, and even then, like, who's the villain of this series and what's going to happen? Like,
1: Have they already decided on a timeline for it? I think I've not heard
0: legitimately who or what the timeline is going to be for this specific tv show but i'd imagine that it would be post game when he gets kate right. bishop back after the snap so i mean it would have been after his stint as ronin so i mean obviously if it is post game, they could do villains coming back right to haunt him from what he does over the five years is running when his family's dead
1: which that's what uh one of my ideas was with this series i could show him during his time as Ronan.
0: That is true, too, but I know I think the main premise of it, from what I read, what they announced at the San Diego Comic-Con, it's going to be him teaching his daughter how to take over the mantle of Hawkeye. So, unfortunately, we might not see
1: him as Ronan. That would be really cool, like a, do a to do. Maybe they'll do a Tommy Oliver sequ- Tommy Oliver. Maybe they'll do an Oliver Queen sequence where they show him during his time as Ronan right right? like flashbacks yeah yeah.
0: it's like oh a main villain comes who the heck's that flashback to Ronan is
1: he won't be as Batman
0: yeah (laughs) that is very true and that'll be really cool I mean Kate Bishop is obviously a very important character in the comics and seeing her adaptation of that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Hawkeye that'd be really cool because I mean personally I prefer Kate Bishop to her father In the comics. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see the direction they take with that. Same with the direction of the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Right. That's also going to be a really cool one because they're going to be bringing back the OG Mandarin. I'm not going to lie. Iron Man 3 is like dead to me. I didn't really (laughs) like that movie. And mainly because of how they butchered the Mandarin. Yeah. I mean, that was the main reason. I mean, I like the villain... The powers are a little odd. The fight sequence at the end with all the suits was pretty cool. But just butchering the the OG Mandarin's name. I mean, it's a plug at the end. This isn't the real one, but the real one's out there. It's just like, why? Why did they do that? Why did they not just bring in the real Mandarin? But I guess Marvel's had a plan to do Shang-Chi for quite some time. So, hey, maybe that's why they did it. What are your thoughts on the Shang-Chi movie?
1: well i love the fact that his character is based off of bruce lee bruce lee is one of my og favorite martial artists so love that already maybe he his acting's better than danny Rand, the all-immortal iron fist that i have to hear at least 30 times every episode (laughs) uh no i would actually love to see the actual mandarin like you said Iron Man 3 ruined that. The movie, like every Marvel cinematic movie, has had great moments, but it still didn't make up for it being a disaster of a movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and they had an Iron
0: Man animated movie that tackled this really well. It was an Iron Man movie where he gets, I think he gets lost in the Himalayas, and it was kind of his origin story where they based it in Where, you know, the Mandarin was in there and they had the Ten Rings and all that other stuff. I can't think of the name. I'm pretty sure it was just Iron Man. It was an animated cartoon they had done a while back. And it addressed this story really well because we got to see the Ten Rings. We got to see the Mandarin. We got to see all this really cool stuff. And I'm hoping that they do
1: something similar with
0: Shang-Chi. Right.
1: So my question is, because I don't know much about Shang-Chi, what are the Ten Rings? The 10 rings, that is a good question.
0: So the 10 rings are, for those of you who do not know, basically 10 rings that have the, I guess the souls of specific warriors trapped within inside them. They're technically a piece of tech that allows the Mandarin to do multiple things. Some of the things that he can do, I mean, there's an ice ring, there's an electro ring, there is a minto ring, we got a flame ring. We also got a white ring, a black ring, a disintegration ring, a vortex ring, and then the last one, I believe, oh, no, there's two more. There was a matter rearranger ring, which allows him to manipulate atomic and molecular structures, and then an impact ring, which allows him to pretty much shoot, like, rings, like an impact beam. So this is pretty much the rings allow him to do various different things, and you would think, oh, you know, you think these rings would have a bit more abilities than they do i mean oh one shoots fire one controls ice but when all wielded together it's not the same as the infinity stones i have to
1: ask does this mean the mandarin is the avatar
0: i mean he could technically because i mean you got the ice ring so that's technically water you got you know the fire ring (laughs) right i don't know i mean with the matter rearranger ring that he's got i mean i guess he could rearrange the forms of rocks so i mean technically if he wanted to be he could be an avatar who knows it's it's quite possible but on that i mean it has the effects not similar to the infinity gauntlet but when they're all together it allows him massive amounts of power that kind of go unrivaled i mean i would love to see like i mean i don't know what kind of comparison this would be but like some kind of infinite like even a what if series like the infinity gauntlet versus like the ten rings of the mandarin i right. mean they are tech And, I mean, obviously, the tin Rings aren't as powerful as the Gauntlet, but just seeing two people kind of go at it with those abilities, I mean, especially someone as smart and devious as the Mandarin with the abilities that he's got. So that could be really cool. And, you know, seeing that on the big screen is going to be really cool considering I'm betting he's going to go on a quest for the Ten Rings in the Shang-Chi series, kind of like Iron Man did in the cartoon. He went to find the rings. The Mandarin got the rings, There's a face-off. I mean, it'll be interesting. Maybe even Shang-Chi could wield some of these rings. That would also be really cool. So who knows where they're going to go with that, but another one that I did want to talk about was the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness film that we got coming on, the sequel to Doctor Strange. And with this one, it is going to be really cool because this is Marvel's first horror film. And what's also going to be cooler is the fact that Scarlet Witch is supposed to have a super big role in the series and the fact that it's got multiverse in the title of madness. Just kind of sets it all up for you I mean there's gonna be so many different villains that they could introduce and if they do visit the different multiverses of the Marvel universe that's gonna be really cool because we can see adaptations of characters as different people and what's even cooler about this series is the fact that it's a horror film and just thinking about it I'm like how are they gonna do a multiverse of madness film that is a horror film like how are we gonna see Doctor Strange in this film and where are they gonna take him with I know that it's rumored that he could actually introduce Blade in this series because it is the darker version of the MCU. What are your thoughts on where they're going to take the Multiverse of Madness sequel to Doctor Strange?
1: So this was by far my favorite announcement from San Diego Comic-Con. I am a huge, huge horror fan in any sense. So when they said that this was going to be a horror movie, I just, I was already in love because I love the first Doctor Strange And the fact that this one will probably be the one that actually introduces the multiverse. Yeah. So... Not Spider-Man, Far From Home. Yeah. (laughs) So, I'm really ready for that. And seeing Blade come in, possibly, that would be interesting. I mean, it would be the
0: ideal setup, considering it is going to be the darker version of the series. And
1: I'm just curious how they would do that, though. Like, bring him into the actual main story, like the main timeline and the main universe...
0: I mean, and it'll be really interesting, too, because the concept of Blade, I mean, revolves around there being vampires in the world. So if he's in the main timeline, then we get introduced into vampires. Yeah. So seeing that somehow in Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness could be really cool. I mean, maybe he even brings him from a different universe to deal with the threats that are here. I mean, I don't know if the main Marvel timeline has vampires, But what direction are they going to take with that? And what is Scarlet Witch's role in all of this?
1: Now, because they are going through all these multiverses and stuff, and it says madness, I have like a Cthulhu-esque feel just from the title. Right. So It's going to be really cool. I mean, there's a
0: lot of stuff that they could go into with the Doctor Strange sequel. And I know principal photography has already started. So, I mean, we could be seeing, I believe we're seeing this in 2021, which is going to be really cool. I'm super excited for it, considering the only other horror film that we got hasn't come out yet. I know it's got a re-release date, which is supposed to be soon, but The New Mutants, which is a horror film. But is
1: it actually going to be their first one now, since this is a couple? It's supposed to be. Right. So, I mean, (laughs)
0: who knows? Where are they going to take with that? Because New Mutants was a Fox thing, right?
1: Yeah. And now that Fox doesn't have it anymore, it could get canceled in general. (laughs) Because
0: I know they did do a re-release date on it. Right. And it's supposed to come out sometime soon. But with that, like, is it going to be consistent? Is it going to be canon to the Marvel timeline, considering that they're going to be redoing the mutants? Right. I mean, who knows where they're going to take that? But speaking of Doctor Strange, you know, I'm just excited To see where they're going to go with this, considering when we see Doctor Strange in the first one and his arc through the Avengers Infinity Wars and Avengers Endgame, you know, he's made quite the development from who he was and seeing how they're going to take that into a darker feel is going to be interesting. I mean, are we going to see the main villain that was teased at the end of Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange 2? Is he going to be the reason that they go through all these multiverses? Who knows? I mean, it is quite possible that he could be going to other universes to take the powers of other people away. I don't know, but Doctor Strange is the strongest among them. So if there's anybody to fight this guy, it's gonna be him.
1: The quote was, "He's the best among us."
0: Yeah, he's the best among us. So (laughs) so I guess he's gonna be what a universal type multiverse cop of some sorts, a magic cop. Is he gonna? We gonna see? He's gonna grow out
1: that cool stash, and he's just gonna walk around. You know why I pulled you over? You were going too fast in the extra-dimensional time. Right. I'm going to need you to slow it down Right. And show up to court May 23rd. Right. Show
0: up to Magic Court. Uh, there's no way around it. You're going to get your memory wiped and your powers taken away. Sorry about that. Rest in mm-hmm.
1: peace, department.
0: Right. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even want to get into that. But the last one that they did talk about at San Diego Comic-Con, which was the one I was the most enthused about, was the Thor... Thor movie, Love and Thunder. And you want to know why I was super excited about this? Female Thor. Yes. But on that note, she's not actually going to be the female Thor. She's, This was corrected by a bunch of people because they were like, oh, we get to see the female Thor. That's going to be so great. And then Kevin Feige's like, no, we're not seeing the female Thor. <laughs> I like that little snap. No. <laughs> it is the mighty Thor. So it's a different version of James Foster's So what's
1: the difference between them, do you know?
0: Well, the difference between the two, I mean, there's not much difference. I mean, if you look at a lot of the people out there who are consistent with, like, the gender politics of films, they didn't want her to be called female Thor. So they adapted the popular storyline, The Mighty Thor, which is a version of Jane Foster's Thor, because that's when she becomes worthy of Mjolnir. So, I mean, there's not much difference. I mean, I know there might be a version of that somewhere in it. I'm not too familiar with the female Thor, the mighty Thor, Jane Foster in general. Maybe I'll do a video on that just to kind of see what the main differences are. But from what I have read and what I've heard, it's just a a gender name and they don't want to do that. Did you just assume
1: my godliness?
0: (laughs) With that, it'll be really interesting to see where they go with it considering... Natalie Portman hasn't been seen in Thor since, what, it was Dark World? So, like, yep. that was that was quite some time ago. Right. Quite a bit of movie years ago. And with that, what's really funny is the fact that Kevin Feige and Natalie Portman actually just released why she came back. And it was because, it was a running joke, that she had some hammer envy. She's always wanted to wield Mjolnir in the Thor films. I mean, there's a lot of debate on why she came back. I know that there was some some misdirection with like directors on films and all that other good jazz, but with the new director that they had from Ragnarok, he's coming back, he's gonna be on Thor 4, we're gonna get to see them kind of collab, and obviously, he's the main reason she did come back. He's like, we need Jane Foster, we need Mighty Thor, we need to see this. And what is really interesting is I was talking to a bunch of people when I was at the Galaxy Con in Raleigh, and a lot of theories were being bounced around about, hey, what are they going to do? Where's this going to take place in the timeline? How is this going to make any sense? How does she get Mjolnir when Mjolnir was destroyed, considering this is supposed to take place, which looks like after Endgame, but before Guardians of the Galaxy 3? So, with that, there was somebody who was talking about a theory of his own, and that was that since Thor is now the king, or he was the king of Asgard before he gave the title over to Valkyrie, he now has the ability to create Mjolnir for Jane Foster. They were talking about how he could possibly, because, say, he's going to be going on some kind of adventures with the Guardians, or however they're going to do that. I mean, it's been talked about that he's not going to be in guardians of galaxy three but he could be in guardians of galaxy four which would make sense considering he's supposed to show up in thor love and thunder so maybe because he believes now that he's got stormbreaker earth still needs you know a mjolnir to kind of protect it from things maybe he's even making mjolnir for valkyrie you know he creates a weapon that he's going to give to valkyrie and he sends it to earth well I guess Mjolnir found somebody who was a bit more worthy than Valkyrie, which would be Jane Foster. And that was his main theory is that, you know, Thor sends a hammer to Earth and it winds up in Jane Foster's lap because she's more worthy of an opponent or she's more worthy of a hero. You know, she's more worthy of being a heroine, I guess that's what you would call them, for Earth. So with that, it'll be really cool considering Valkyrie is set to be returned or. Because Valkyrie is set to return, as well as Chris Hemsworth's Thor. And then obviously we got Jane Foster. So where do you think that they're going to go with Thor Love and Thunder? What roles or what people do you think are going to like show up in this? I'm really hoping to see the Enchantress as kind of the main villain in Thor Love and Thunder. Because she's kind of a counterpart through the comics with Thor throughout that. But what are your thoughts on some of that stuff?
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> No, I actually really like the idea of Mighty Thor and everything, and the theory you were just stating, it, it sounds likely, Uh, probably fight, sees that Valkyrie gets the hammer and beats the shit out of her or something. Right. <laughs> no. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It'd be nice to see Bro-Thor back, hopefully not as Bro-Thor, but you know. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they kinda go with that. I'd really like
0: to see a rekindling of the romance. I was always one of those who liked the romance between yeah, James. It was Foster actually kinda and, good. Yeah, Thor. And then they just cut it out because of, you know, things that had nothing to do with the movie versus right. like, oh, she's gone because of conflicts outside of the film itself, and I hate that about films because it takes away from the content, from yep. you know, just the overall arc of the character. I mean, he definitely took a different direction and he might have went another direction if Natalie Portman's Jane Foster was in the films prior to or right. after the uh, film Thor: Dark of War. what Thor: Dark World? Yeah. So with that, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see which direction they go. I'm super excited to see. I hope that uh, by the end of the film, that uh, Jane Foster is donning the mighty Thor costume. Who knows? It'll be really interesting. I'm hoping to see some major kick-ass villains in this film as well, if, even if it's not the Enchantress. Give us an opponent who's worthy. Maybe we'll even see an i guess a what, an incarnation of uh Beta Ray Bill. I know we're supposed to be seeing him in Guardians of Three or Guardians Three, but in the storyline, I mean it's when he takes Thor's hammer because he's worthy. And now that we might actually have another meal near, boom he can take it right so i mean that'll be really interesting i know that uh he's gonna be making his appearance in guardians 3 but i'm hoping maybe we could get some kind of tease whether it's an easter egg of sorts or something like we got to see in thor ragnarok of beta ray bill or even just some of the main characters that thor has fought over the years in the comics but who knows where they're going to go with that As far as the timeline goes, though, where are you thinking this is going to take place? I'm really hoping that the timeline takes place after Endgame, because if you listen to the reference by Thor in Endgame, he talks about how they were lovers, and he hadn't seen her in years, and all that other stuff, so doing the Thor, Love, and Thunder movie right after, say, Dark World, or right after Ragnarok, wouldn't really make much sense to me. Right. Like, what are your thoughts? If, like, Mjolnir is somehow still, this is before Mjolnir gets destroyed, like... Where do you think this is going to
1: fit in with the timeline? Yeah, I definitely see it happening well after Endgame. I even possibly see it happening after maybe Guardians 3. So it's going to definitely take place probably a good two years after Endgame. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's got to. I mean, maybe we can even see, you know, like how the events affected Jane Foster's character. I mean, maybe she was taken in the snap. I mean who and knows. And maybe that
1: might be why she becomes worthy of the hammer in the first place. I mean, who knows which direction they're gonna go with this. Right. And it's gonna be
0: really cool. We got a lot of films coming up from Marvel's MCU phase four and they've even talked about things for phase five, like Blade being right. Well, yeah, they the ones already that got.
1: Pretty much the uh, phase five is already completely planned. They yeah. just think it's too early to announce on it.
0: So I mean, that'll be really cool. Marvel's got some great stuff coming up, and it's about time that they introduce the T V verse into that. I'm hoping that uh, since they own 60% of Hulu now, that we're gonna get to see the uh defenders come back into it and they kind of place all their stuff on Hulu and we get more references. Cause I would really like to see them somehow in the MCU as a whole or even being referenced. I know you can't really Compare, like, Luke Cage or freaking The Punisher or Jessica Jones or Daredevil to people like Thor and Iron Man and all that other good jazz. But it would still be cool to continue those actual references.
1: Are you telling me that Danny Wren, the all-immortal Iron Fist, is not on the same level... As Thor,
0: I mean, I wouldn't say so. He is on a pretty high level up there. I mean, if you... But
1: seen, he is the all-immortal Iron Fist. I got to get it out at least 30 times
0: this episode. <laughs> so, I mean, who knows? I mean, I've seen some incidents where, you know, Iron Fist has totally kicked characters' asses that you would not think he could kick characters' asses. But right. he's a master martial artist, and he has an immense power. Right. So, I mean, who knows where they're going to go with that. Like I said, I'm hoping Hulu brings him back. And we get to see them more references, get more shows. I mean, we've already got the Ghost Rider show coming on Hulu and the Hellstrom show and the Offenders, which is animated. So we got so much. They've got so much going on. I mean, no wonder they've already got Phase 5 planned. I mean, they need to keep that train rolling, that excitement train. And over the next, what, two and a half years, we're going to get to see quite a bit of content. From Marvel.
1: Yeah, this is already a lot, just for two years worth yeah. of content, so I can only imagine what the next couple of years after that's going to be. Oh my
0: gosh, especially with the introduction of the mutants and stuff, that yep. is going to be quite and insane. And hopefully
1: Fantastic Four. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so with that, we're going to switch over to DC. I know DC did not have anything really at San Diego Comic-Con. They chose to pass this year because Wonder Woman what, nineteen eighty something, I like can't nineteen eighty four or something like right. that. Comes out, I believe sometime next year they pushed it back. So there wasn't really anything that they could promote. And to me I think that was kind of the wrong move. But with that said, the Aeroverse on the CW did have a bunch of stuff at the San Diego Comic Con. And we're gonna jump into that real quick. The main thing I wanted to talk about with the Aeroverse at San Diego Comic-Con was the Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline that they got coming up, the next big crossover, and potentially the last crossover for a lot of series, like Arrow, Arrow's ending this year. It's rumored that Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow are also on their way out. The only shows that we're possibly going to be seeing after this crossover event would be the new Batwoman show, The Flash, and then Black Lightning like, those are going to be the only ones left on the network. I mean, there's a rumor that they're going to be doing a Superman show with the Superman from Supergirl. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things kind of in the works. I know Legends of Tomorrow technically doesn't appear. I think season five doesn't come out until the spring of next year. So, it'll be after the events of the crisis. But I know they're supposed to be in the crossover. So, I mean, after their last season, I believe it's their last, but... It'll be really interesting to see how they handle this crisis on Infinite Earths, especially in series like The Flash, Season 6, considering they have it set up in a pre-crisis and a post-crisis kind of story arc. We get to deal with the pre-crisis, which the villain is Bloodwork. He was an actor from Heroes, which is going to be really cool because he's kind of made his way into it, into the, the D.C., universe, even though it's on the CW, and Bloodwork is not a crazy big villain, but he will still be cool to see on the little screen, I guess you would call it, and that would be the pre-crisis setup, and then the post-crisis apparently is supposed to deal with a post-crisis villain, whoever that may be. I don't think it's going to be the anti-monitor, but we could see somebody of immense power play out in The Flash Season 6 Part 2. And how he's going to come back is going to be really interesting too considering throughout from season one to season five they've set up the crisis with him disappearing for 20 plus years. So I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know what they're going to go into that with. But the crisis event is going to be huge and I'm so glad that the CW is doing it. I mean, we get to see Brandon Roos' Superman come back. He played Superman in 06. It's a different version of Superman. It's the Superman's kingdom come version of superman which is sporting the black and red logo versus the red and yellow logo
1: that's okay black and red's much better oh my
0: gosh yeah it is <laughs> there's some concept art drawn up of him as the kingdom come nice superman it was really cool because then the next thing you know we hear that brandon here is getting into shape for the Superman role because he's going to be not only playing Ray Palmer in the crossover, but a version of Superman. And with that, they've got all kinds of other characters coming back. I believe the original Robin from the 60s or 70s Batman show is supposed to be playing a role in the Crisis oh, event. that'd be great. We're going to get to see the Linda Carter, the 70s Wonder Woman, make an appearance. And it's even rumored that we could possibly be seeing Tom Welling suit up again as superman as well i don't know about the last one but it looks like they're getting a lot of people from the past to pop up in this crisis event because it's going to be the biggest event that the cw does probably
1: ever well i mean if it is going to end a lot of stuff in this whole Arrowverse, they got to go out with the bang they got yeah. to get as many people as they can into this and just make it one epic conclusion yeah And that's going to be really
0: cool, too. I mean, obviously, from those of you who've read the comics, you know that in the Crisis on Infinite Earths storyline, you know, we see the deaths of a lot of superheroes, and they're kind of adapting that into this crossover. I don't want to spoil too much of what happened in the last couple crossovers for those of you who haven't caught up on the series, but we all know, I mean, it's been talked about and spoiled quite a bit that the Green Arrow is dying. That's why they're ending the series. Season 8 is going to be their last, and they cut their episode count in half. I mean, we're saying goodbye to Oliver Queen. And for me, I'm fine with that because, I mean, from, I think, season one to four, I was really invested in it. But, I mean, it did get more interesting when they started doing crossover events with all the other superheroes. But, as you said prior, you know, he's just, it's not that he's too Batman-esque. It's just that they took that approach with his character, right. made him a lot darker, whereas in the comics, he's he's got the funny, goofy hat right. and all that other He's stuff. very
1: uplifted yeah. and he's very funny character.
0: Yeah. And that'll be really cool considering it looks like they're going to be taking that route when they do the DC version, I guess the DC movie that introduces Era. Apparently, they're doing a Black Canary movie, and in the Black Canary movie, they're supposed to be introducing the next Green Arrow.
1: I call it right now. Green Arrow's the reason why DC turns around their movie universe.
0: <laughs> and with that, that's going to be really cool. I mean, obviously, we're not going to get to see Stephen Amell kind of take up the suit again. Be better, damn it. <laughs> I mean, that would be nice, but it's looking like they're going another way with the character. And as sad as that is, Stephen Amell did a great job as the Green Arrow. And if this is how he's going to go out, Fighting the Anti Monitor, then you know he better do it with a bang.
1: Right. So,
0: agree. What are your thoughts on the Arrowverse crossover in general?
1: I've always loved it. I I didn't really know much about it until I started college back in 2014, 2013, and I had Netflix at the time, so I just continuously watched it and everything. And it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. It it was at least for a while. Then they did kind of. They, they lost me for a bit, Yeah. but yeah, the first few, The Flash, I never watched Supergirl and some of the Legends of Tomorrow, I've yeah. watched that, but yeah, I've loved it all.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, they do take the Batman approach with killing off most of his family. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I, I won't lie, though, I think uh, Deathstroke was one of my favorite Oh my gosh, villains. the actor who played yeah. him,
0: I mean, he needs Incredible. to come back and something. Yeah. He really does. He did a great job. But with other stuff that they talked about at the San Diego Comic-Con, there were some trailers revealed, and the two that I wanted to talk about mostly was the Witcher teaser trailer and the Watchmen trailer. What are your thoughts? I know that you're a big fan of the Witcher series in general. So what are your thoughts on the Witcher? I don't know if you know a lot about the Watchmen show, but, like, what are your thoughts on those?
1: Yeah, the Witcher overall show looked great. I'm not sure how I feel about the woman they're having play as Triss. She looks really different than what I was expecting Mm -hmm. but you know what it is going more off the actual book interpretation of her I think what's the actor who plays uh, Geralt the one who Henry Cavill Henry Cavill Yeah, yeah Henry Cavill he, he looks phenomenal yeah. as Geralt of Rivia. I was very skeptical, especially the first little teaser they gave us like yeah. a year ago. <laughs> yeah. But he looks incredible. They showed his toxic state with the black oh eyes. Oh, my God. That looked so that good. Was so awesome. That was my favorite part right. of the trailer. Yes. I even pointed it out to you. Yep. I was like, this is
0: amazing. I mean, just the look of it. I mean, Henry Cavill, he got into this role. And, I mean, I can understand why he chose to opt out of some of the Superman cameos that he was supposed to do. I mean, I love him as Superman, but, I mean, him as this character yeah. in the Witcher series, I mean...
1: And then, I mean, Yennefer and Cyrillia, they both look really good, too. Or Siri, if you played the other game, so... And... I'm just uh, incredibly interested in how they're going to tackle the lore, all the monsters and all this stuff that goes on with the different schools and stuff. If it's just going to solely be based around Geralt because he is the main person from the video games, but anyone who has paid attention to the comics books and stuff, he's not the only main protagonist or character that they revolve around. They got other characters from different schools. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I'm, I'm highly invested already. Right. So unfortunately no release date yet, but yeah, it's supposed to be yeah. this year. I could see a October release around Halloween.
0: Oh yeah, that would be awesome. Right. I mean, even the same with like, you know, looking at some of the, the trailers that they've released for Watchmen. You right. know, like seeing something, you know, based around that is just it's so cool. I mean, for those of you who don't know, I believe the uh, the Watchmen series is actually a continuation based off of the the movie The Watchmen. That's what I've heard is that it continues where the movie takes off. So that'll be really interesting to see. I mean, I'm not a big fan of The Watchmen, but seeing the the trailer where they had like all of the the masks on. Right? And it was like the cult that I don't know if they worshiped this particular character or not, but it looked like there were all a bunch of, you know, guys out in the boonies wearing masks and <laughs> looks
1: like killing people. So, I mean, it looks like it's a really dark show. Hey, that's fine. I mean, it's another dark superhero thing, but I like when they go into TV shows because it seems to play out a lot better than when they try to do that yeah. with the movies. I mean, do you think we're going to get to see Blue Jesus? God, if I don't get to see that blue dong again, I I don't want it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That'd be really interesting to see. And if it is a continuation, like, are we going to get to see some of the actors? I'm not too sure on that. I mean, it would make sense if they did it. But then again, like, would some of the actors come back considering, you know, I mean, it looks like they're having some of the main cast that are similar to the characters in the movie itself. So I'm like, did they recast them? Is this a new version of The Watchmen? Right. How's that going to work?
1: I think, honestly, they should just make it a new series, yeah. something different from the movie.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, who knows where they're going to go with that. There were some of the trailers that they dropped at the San Diego Comic-Con that I thought were really awesome and wanted to share with y'all. But that leads us into the weekly shout-out, which is a good one. This comes from Cinematic Organism on Instagram. And he asked me which Spider-Man movie was the best and why. That's what he wanted me to shout-out. So, here's your shout-out hope you enjoy it. So, in your opinion, Chris with a K, <laughs> what is your favorite Spider-Man movie that has been done out of so let's let's go uh feature film. So right. like Spider-Man 1 through 3, The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2,
1: well, we can all new knock ones. those out.
0: So. <laughs> so which one is your favorite and why? Are you f- are you a fan of the classic Spider-Man movies, or do you like the more newer movies with Tom Holland?
1: So, I really loved Homecoming. I haven't seen Far From Home, unfortunately, so I can't give an opinion on that, but I heard it was an incredible film, very good. Can't wait to see it.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But, I think when it comes to my favorite movie altogether, it's Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's, because yeah. I felt... Uh, Dr. Octavius had one of the best character developments in that movie Yeah, and everything. Spider-Man actually had a really good development in it. Yeah, it was a little cheesy and cringy at moments, but it's old school 2000s. Uh, What do you expect? Looking back at it, it still has some pretty decent effects and everything. It had that emotional train scene.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. Spider Jesus.
0: (laughs) And with that, there's also a thing that I really loved seeing. It was a post that I'd seen on Instagram where it had the villains of all of the Spider-Man films. And it had Dr. Octavius, it had Sandman, it had Electro, and it had Vulture. You know? So it had all of these different supervillains, and beside them it had like the reasons why they were supervillains. And Dr. Octavius pretty much wanted to make a world a better place, and he wanted to do it however he could, whatever the sacrifice was. And Sandman was just trying to provide stability for his daughter. And then he got Electro, and the main reason he was mad at Spider-Man in the Amazing Spider-Man series was because he didn't come to his birthday party. <laughs> yeah. And as the villains go on, the reasons for them being villains were stupider and stupider. Yeah. And that is also why I liked Spider-Man too, because of the villains because of their arcs, because of the character arcs. We can pretty much forget about Spider-Man 3. I mean, I do love the homage that they do in the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse where they acknowledge Spider-Man 3 and, oh, my God, that goths, you know, Peter Parker. I mean, <laughs> they do kind of acknowledge all that, and, you know, that was cool. Hey, and if, if we're
1: talking about Spider-Man 3, we can't forget Typher Grace. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. So, I mean... You're going to pay for that, Parker. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And he's technically not Venom in that film. They never call him Venom. Right. It's just kind of a little cameo that they do. It's like, yeah, you guys know. Yeah. You guys know. (laughs) We're not going to say it, but you guys know. And I mean, yeah, that's why I like Spider-Man 2 probably the best. I mean, the Amazing Spider-Man series, I like where they tried to go with it, but it was Sony and... I mean, the main reason Sony partnered with Marvel to do the new reboot trilogy is... Well, to make is, good movies. Yeah, to make good movies. <laughs> I mean, and,
1: don't get me wrong. They done pretty well with Venom. Oh, yeah. They definitely but, did. But, yeah, yeah, but maybe not tackling Spider-Man alone no. is a good idea. Yeah. And, and that makes me skeptical with their ideas of pulling out from Marvel right now. Yeah. So I'm hoping they don't go with that option. No.
0: I mean, <laughs> they will find that uh, I think a lot of the success from Marvel comes from the fact that he is entangled in the MCU. Yeah, the agreed. I mean, just looking at him and the newer one, you know how he's trying to live up to the legacy of Tony Stark. And, I mean, they're pretty much making him an iconic character and you can't pull him out and then never put him in another MCU movie again and just keep him solely in the Sony universe. That would plummet sales, I guarantee it, because the only other characters he can ever interact with would be Venom. And Venom's not really Venom because his whole origin story was completely changed. He's got no spider on his (laughs) chest. It would be really stupid if he had the spider on his chest now. So who knows where they're going to go with that and why. But cinematic organism, if I had to pick a specific Spider-Man movie, it would probably be Spider-Man 2. Like Mr. Chris over here, Mr. Christopher Digital says, I mean, the, the arcs of the characters are amazing and they actually have kind of a real gusto to them i mean it makes sense and that's what i really liked about the the classic spider-man movies i mean i wasn't a big fan of toby Maguire in that if we could have had a tom holland-esque character play peter parker in those films with that development that would have been great but you know you live and you learn we get what we get don't throw a fit you know what i'm saying you got to deal with it and i mean without those films Even Spider-Man 3 and even the Amazing Spider-Man series, we wouldn't have got to the Tom Holland Spider-Man that we have now. Because as much as Sony kind of messed with that formula, they eventually found a way to get it right. And now we have an Amazing Spider-Man. Right. Right. So you know, it's it's really cool, and I'm
1: excited to see where they go with it. Yeah, if they did if you didn't limit this to just the movie, I would have said the new Spider-Man game. That Spider-Man is definitely okay. my
0: favorite, or the new Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I really liked, uh, I really liked that movie, right? Just yeah. because it didn't. <laughs> Kind of incorporates all of the spider man yep. and Spider-Women. So, but we're sticking to feature films. We'll stick there for now. I mean, it's it's a whole other discussion when we get into cartoons and video yeah. games. <laughs> all right. But uh, with that, that just about wraps us up for time today. I wanted to thank all of you for joining in with us today here at the Comic Cast. I hope you learned a thing or two I know that I definitely did. Don't forget to like and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Comic Comics, as well as check out my Instagram page at Comic Comics underscore official. Plug to continue our conversations that we've had today.
1: You can also check out my stuff, which is all gaming, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram at the KD Arcade. And the arcade is spelled with a K. (laughs) As always, I'm Ryan. And I'm Mr. Digital. And this This is is the the Comic -Cast. Cast.